You've already heard my conversation with Emily Lay about her book back in episode 30, and if you haven't, you probably should go back and listen to it because it is one of my most downloaded, most shared episodes. At the time of that interview, though, I hadn't actually read her book. It wasn't out yet, and I couldn't wait to get my hands on it. And now that I have read it, I wanted to jump in and give my three biggest takeaways as per tradition in the Nancy Ray Book Club. So today, I'm going to do just that. Here are my top three biggest takeaways from the book, When Less Becomes More by Emily Lay. And if you're interested in learning more about the Nancy Ray Book Club, head to nancyray.com slash book club. You're listening to Work and Play with Nancy Ray, episode 51. Much of our daily lives can be divided into two categories, work and play. Simply put, that is where our life and our legacy take place. This is a podcast all about learning to work and play well, which leads to a healthy soul and a fulfilling life. Let's dive in. I think in a nutshell, Emily's book, When Less Becomes More, perfectly summarizes what happens in our work and in our play when things go wrong. When things start to feel really out of balance, really stressful, you start to get anxious. And the bottom line is it's all too much. When all of it, work and play, it just gets too much. When our workload gets too much, too many meetings, too many projects, too many deadlines, we say yes to every opportunity thrown our way when we spread ourselves too thin. When our play even gets too much, How much we try to fit in our play, like our social calendars, they get too full when we say yes to helping in the classroom or trying to throw the most extravagant birthday parties for our kids and sign them up for five extracurriculars because we want the best for them. It's just too much. Back in my interview with Emily, I talk about the three chapters in the book that I was most excited to read. Chapter one, less rush, more rhythm. The second one was social media, less distraction, more connection. And the third was parenting, less great and more good. And I loved those chapters. They were so good. And back then, those were the chapters and titles that resonated with me the most that I was so excited to read. But since actually reading the book, God has been teaching me some different themes in my life. And there are three totally different chapters that are my biggest takeaways from the book. So my first takeaway is her chapter on rest. She says, less frenzy, more soul rest. Because I had found myself living in this place of rush, frenzy, hurry, anxiety. For the last 12 years, I feel like as I've been running my business, it has just been all about all the things that I can accomplish and do. And then you add a baby into that, and then another baby, and then another baby. And Talk about frenzy. I felt like I was living a life of frenzy, putting out fires, and just from the moment I woke up in the morning to going to bed at night, it was just crazy. And I'm learning that that place of frenzy really comes from just having too much on your plate. And I found myself this time when I was reading this chapter asking myself, where is there frenzy in my life now? Even after I've closed my business, what what is it that's causing this state of frenzy? And it's not always due to the fact that I have too many things. I mean, there's circumstances. Kids get sick. Expectations aren't met. But really, it comes down to the fact that a lot of times it's my own fault. 
It's my own fault that I am anxious and I have too much and it's just bananas in my mind, right? Bananas in my mind and crazy in my life and it just feels like too much. It's because I'm saying yes to too much. Emily shares a story in this book of her friend who had just had a baby. She was getting used to newborn life and just really craved rest. I don't know that there's any other phase of life that you crave rest more than when you have a newborn baby. And she takes her baby and she goes outside on a warm day and just strolls through the garden and starts to take deep breaths. And the point that Emily was trying to make is there's a difference between just getting good sleep and actually slowing down and making moments in your life for soul rest, where the deepest parts of you feel like they are rested and replenished. And we don't really make time for those slow spaces in our life when there's so much going on. And I think that our souls kind of operate at a different pace than our lives do. And so this chapter about less frenzy, more soul rest, it wasn't just about getting more sleep, which that is important. I know firsthand it was very important. But it's about making space for your soul to get what it needs. So what does soul rest look like? I think and believe with all of my being and all of my heart that soul rest starts with a relationship with Jesus. Because if you don't have that, if you don't know your Savior, if you don't know the one who made you, your soul's always going to be searching and longing and unsettled. And we have sin in our hearts and our life. We have this ickiness that's just part of the human experience. We do things wrong. We have this guilt. We can never live up because we're always messing things up. And there's this shame that follows us around. But we find true soul rest when we realize that Jesus, He didn't have that shame. He didn't have those mess-ups. He actually lived a perfect life, and then He died on the cross to exchange our mess, our mess of a life for His righteousness and His perfection. And then He rose again, and He conquered it all. He conquered death. He conquered sin. And He he did it so that we could take hold of that righteousness and be free of that sin and guilt and shame and in my life, I, I experienced that when I was just 11 years old, which is pretty remarkable. Looking back, I really understood that Jesus loved me so much that He he died in my place. And He took that on. He took my sin on for me so that I could have His life of righteousness. So bottom line for me, soul rest starts with a relationship with Him. And from there, fast forward, you know, I, I came to know Jesus when I was 11. Fast forward, now I'm 33 years old. I've been walking with Him for over 20 years, but I'm still searching and looking for this soul rest on a lot of days when I just feel like things are out of control. And so it starts with going back to Him. That's why I try to start every single morning with time just connecting with the Lord. And I, I endeavor and try to connect with Him and abide with Him and walk with Him all throughout my day. Because the bottom line is there are going to be crazy days where we don't make space to slow down, but we can still have that soul rest as long as we are connecting with the Lord because He's He's the true source of that. Now, there are some practical 
things that we can do to slow down our minds and our hearts and our bodies and slow down the, the rush and craziness in our lives so that we can hear Him clearer. And I think I've learned that I just like to do it all. I like to be in charge. I like to have a plan and execute that plan, and that makes me feel really good about myself. But when I do that in my own strength apart from the Lord, I just start to get tired. My soul starts to get tired. And so the combination for me of spending time with my Lord every day, several times a day, connecting with Him, crying out to Him, even if it's just a one or two word prayer, Lord, help me, you know, if that's it, that's when my soul starts to calm down and feel rested again. And the combination of that with actually getting things off of my plate and off of my calendar and saying no to things, freeing up my heart and my mind so that I can actually slow down, which feels like such a luxury and some days, quite frankly, an impossibility with three little kids who are quite literally on top of me any moment I'm with them. It feels impossible. But Jesus is everywhere and He's with me in every moment. And when I can slow down and say no to things and just make margin for time quiet before they wake up, and slow down a little bit more after they go to sleep, I really do find soul rest daily. And it comes from my relationship with the Lord. That's the root of it all. My second takeaway is about the importance of wellness. And Emily writes this chapter about wellness. Um, Her tagline for that chapter is less fake, more real. And this is something I feel like God has just been teaching me about. Um, I didn't grow up super athletic, and so I feel like I don't have this foundation in life where I was always moving my body or doing things. I felt like that was, you know, I was more contemplative or more artsy, and I loved photography, and I did love music and all those things. So I feel like this is a theme that God has been teaching me throughout my adult life that is really important to move my body and to connect with my body because it's literally the house that houses my soul and my spirit. And it's important for us to really take care of that. And I honestly feel more alive. Going back to that soul rest, I feel like my soul's more taken care of when my body is taken care of. Like they're all, we're all intertwined here. And I love that she talked about in her chapter, less fake, more real. It's not about a number on a scale. It's not about achieving some sort of look or getting back into your high school or college body or outfits or whatever. Like, I've just, I've got a different body now. I've got a different mindset now. But she says, you know what? It's about feeling the most like myself. It's about feeling healthy. It's about feeling strong and able and clear-headed. It reminded me of our conversation back in episode 30 when we were talking and I asked her, like, what what are some things that I can do to help me feel like I'm being a good mom or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it went. But her answer was so surprising because she said exercise. She said exercise is the thing that clears her mind. It's just as much for her physical health as it is for her mental health. I was at a parenting conference this last weekend, and the speaker was talking about how it just seems so totally normal to buy into this world's view of success with our bodies how we portray our bodies, what we do to our bodies, how we go on these crazy diets to achieve a certain look or a certain weight, how implants are just normal. They're just normal. And he even said, you know, a lot of times we think of, you know, 
tribal people who stretch out their earlobes and do crazy things to their ankles or piercings or whatever. We think of that as so primitive and so foolish and and pointless. And he said, we're just as primitive. We're doing the same things to our bodies today to alter the state of our bodies, to buy into the world's success of what we should look like and who we should be. And this chapter that I read in Emily's book, just I feel like it's, again, something God is teaching me, that wellness and health is so important, but it's rooted in, how, in who God made us. We shouldn't be striving to look like somebody or look like a certain image in our mind. We should be striving to be the best version of ourselves, to feel healthy and whole, to feel clear-headed, to feel strong, to feel like we're not carrying a ton of extra weight around so that we can live the life that God wants us to live. That is wellness. And as someone who, quite frankly, has been eating whatever I want for the last few months and has been feeling pretty sluggish and tired, this chapter just spoke to me. It reminded me that wellness is about my identity and body being rooted in the Lord's view of me. It is about me moving my body, taking care of it, and strengthening strengthening it for my own mental health while also not being consumed with what I look like. My third takeaway from Emily's book is her last chapter, and this is her wheelhouse. This is what Emily Lay is known for and is good for, but it's the last chapter about clearing the clutter in your home. I don't know about you. I can never hear this enough. Why? Because clutter is constantly coming in. Whether we like it or not, there's going to be more Christmas, more birthdays, more things, and oh, we just need less stuff and more treasures, which is what she says, home, less stuff and more treasures. And less stuff is hard. I think mentally, I'm nostalgic. I am sentimental. It's hard for me to purge and clean out and give away and sell. And it's just time consuming. I'm like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to work on my home. I've got other things to do. But I'm realizing more and more, we've got to get rid of it. We have to get rid of this stuff because it ultimately starts to weigh us down. It starts to clutter our minds and our ability to do anything else because all we end up doing with our day is just cleaning up our stuff and reorganizing our stuff when really, like Emily says, less is more. So I love what she says about less stuff. So cleaning, getting rid of stuff, but also more treasures, focusing on what you have and I started thinking about what is the definition of treasure? What makes something a treasure? I always think about this in terms of photography because I'm a photographer and my greatest treasures are photographs. And I started thinking, you know, some of my very favorite photographs that feel like the greatest treasures are the ones of my grandparents. And why is it that those feel like the greatest treasures? I think because they're only printed photographs. They're old. They're worn. They feel valuable because they tell my family's story and because they're rare. There's only a handful of them. It's not like the tens of thousands of digital photos we have today on our phones and our computers. There's only, I don't know, maybe 50 of them total that I have of my grandparents their entire life. It's pretty remarkable. That's what makes it a treasure is because there's not that many of them. And if you apply that to the fact that treasures are valuable and they're rare, if you apply that to everything in your home, you're going to have such a simple, beautiful home to, to just keep the things that are treasures. You don't need 10 of them because then they're not rare. 
They're not as valuable if you have 10 or 15 of something. You value them and treasure them when there's only one of them or two of them. So just as in photography, as I get a ton of photos in, what I do is I go through and I select the very best ones because I know I can't enjoy and consume all of them from a photo session or a wedding. I just go through and I cull and I choose just the favorites. And then I, I delete the rest. I never use them. I get rid of them. And if we can take that principle and apply it to our home, it would it would do us so good. I mean, Emily's mantra, I love it. It says, keep only what is best, favorite, and necessary. And so having that same mentality of choosing the favorites and deleting the rest, it's like, I want to do that in my home. I want to choose the favorites, the best, favorite, and necessary. And I want to just give away the rest so that my home can be this simplified treasure trove that has blank space and air to breathe and uh, nothing that's like taking up meaningless space. So those are my three biggest takeaways from Emily's book, When Less Becomes More. And I definitely recommend it. It was such a good read. I love the layout of the book. There's some interactive pages where you actually write things down. There's beautiful photography throughout the book. And I just really love Emily's heart and the way that she writes. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, it's time for the Work and Play Corner Store, where I have some fun and draw from my personal life to bring you a book I'm loving and a thing I'm loving. I might make a small commission off of it through affiliate links, and I'm grateful for when you use these links because it continues to bring this podcast to you every week. So today, I'm, of course, adding the book, When Less Becomes More, which is already in the corner store because I interviewed her, but I'm going to re-add it as well as my favorite water bottle. I know that might sound random, but I feel like drinking water and continuing to replenish yourself goes along with the chapter of wellness. It's such a basic thing, but when I drink a lot of water in a day, it's one small thing that I can do to help myself feel a little bit more like myself and like I'm taking care of myself. All right, so I feel very hipster and trendy saying this, but here's the deal. I have a hydro flask and I have the 20 ounce wide mouth hydro flask, which was given to me as a gift, but here are the reasons I love it. I love the texture on the outside. It doesn't get super cold cold if you have a cold drink in there or super hot if it's a hot drink. It feels like, I don't know, it's hard to describe the texture, but it's like not super smooth. It's a little bit grippy, but it never sweats either. I like the 20 ounce because it fits into my cup holder. And I will admit though, some days I want the larger Hydro Flask because I want to be able to drink more. Um, I might end up getting another size one day. I don't know, but I do like the 20 ounce because it fits in the cup holder in the car. Mine came with the hot lid that like flips up for coffee. So I went on Amazon and actually bought a straw lid that's also compatible with it because I just really love drinking out of a straw and I don't have time to unscrew a lid every single time I want to drink my cold drink. And then I also have the hot drink pop-up lid as well, which is great. Well, that's it. Thanks so much for listening to episode 51 of Work and Play with Nancy Ray. Everything I've mentioned today can be found in the show notes at nancyray.com slash podcast slash 51. And you can find me at nancyray.com or follow me at Nancy Ray on Instagram or Facebook. I'm going to close with these words from Emily. I have learned above all that less is truly beautiful, that happiness and contentment can't be manufactured, bought, subscribed to, or achieved by adding more to our lives. 
It's the counterintuitive action of stripping away the excess that allows us to discover beauty and joy in the good lives we already have. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.